0: Lonzo Ball is hurt? What does this mean for the Charlotte Hornets? Jimbo has become famous at Texas A&M, but not for what he wanted. Steve Wilkes the answer at coach for the Panthers? The Pelicans win an important game with one of their most important role players honoring his school during a time where they need the most. And we pick our SEC and NFL matchups. All this and more on our Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Don't wait.
0: Over. Let's make. This last what is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Stolman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Take 14. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all different sports in different forms and varieties. And we are bound for Nashville. That is right. We are on the way to Nashville, home of the Tennessee Titans home of the National Predators and National SC, some of the teams that we do cover on this podcast. I'm so excited. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going there for a family reunion. It's going to be great. And hopefully we'll get some pictures in of Nissan Stadium and Bridgestone Arena. If not, it is what it is. But I'm so excited because this is going to be one of our first times where we're going to a location that we cover so frequently. Now, there are times where I go to Atlanta, that's a little different, but this is exciting because Nashville, like we say, is one of the most well-known small market teams in the South. And they're also kind of that hybrid, small market, big market team. Anyway, we'll get more into that later. We have some exciting news throughout the week. So obviously, the first thing I wanted to discuss it's Charlotte. And you might be wondering, oh my gosh, it's back again. Jacob is talking about Charlotte. That is right. Charlotte, North Carolina, please sponsor me. I swear. I feel like so many of my episodes and topics focus on the city of Charlotte. But for this reason, it's important because this pertains to Charlotte Hornets and their franchise player in Lonzo Ball. So the Lonzo Ball, he finally gets cleared to come back and play a game. And after he's playing that game, A fan steps on his ankle, and he re-injures it. Oh, my gosh. Like, my thought process there is this is so unlucky for the Charlotte Hornets because they have been terrible this year. I mean, they are so bad, and they have played some good games, but they're not good enough. And, you know, you finally get your star player back, and he gets hurt. Now, I know it was unintentional. I mean – I don't think that a fan is ever just going to be sitting there and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just going to injure a star player. No, I mean, you know, especially if it was a Hornets fan, I'm sure he feels so guilty. Shoot, I feel guilty, too. But I think with this, it's very important to really understand that this is a huge loss. So ESPN reported the story here by saying that his first home game, this was a home game. Let's keep that in mind. Didn't go anywhere near as well. Not only did the Charlotte Hornets lose 125 to 113, but Ball re-injured his left ankle when he stepped on a fan's foot with one minute, 34 seconds left in the game. To have that happen when the game is almost over, and basically, you know, you're down and you know that nothing can really be done, and you're about to lose, and then this happens, that is just so sad and I, I'm you know feel so bad for not only the Charlotte Hornets organization, but Alonzo Ball because you know he's a terrific player, but I feel like right now injuries are affecting him and it's also affecting this Charlotte team. Now obviously we've talked about Charlotte a lot. We've talked about how sometimes they need some chemistry, they need some culture, basically any word that has to do with the letter C, Kind of like what Elmo says on Sesame Street. You are like what's the letter of the day? The letter of the day is C, and the letter of the day is C for Charlotte and chemistry. Anyway, I think with this, it's a really big loss. We don't know how much this affects the team because he, it said here, he's you know trying to save the ball from going out of bounds, and that is one of the hardest things about this is that it always happens when players are trying to save the ball when going out of bounds. Think about how. In 2017, when DeMarcus Cousins went to go get a rebound, he lands awkwardly and ruptures his Achilles. No one meant for it to happen, but it's just kind of how the game goes. So I feel like with this, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen in this case. But I mean, it, this is the same ankle that caused Lon—I mean, Lomelo Ball to miss a portion of the preseason and the first 13 games. 13 games! So if you're saying the portion of the preseason, and preseason's, you know, four games, he probably missed two or three games. He's missed around 15 to 16 games. He might miss more. And that is a huge loss for this Hornets team. They're not going to rush him back. They know better. But, you know, this is your star point guard. And obviously you have Terry Rozier, and you have P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward. They'll do fine, but right now, this is a team that needs to win. And we are not seeing that because, you know, they're still trying to get used to having a new head coach and they're still having some trouble with the whole thing. I mean, they go to Cleveland on Friday and obviously, you know, he came back and he, this was his third game, but this was his first game at home. Now, really with this, I mean, here's what's hard about this. He was phenomenal. You know, he finishes 26 points, 10 to 17, shooting five three-pointers, six assists. He turned the ball over four times, but that's, you know, okay. But I feel like with this, it's just really hard to understand because, you know, Cody Martin has missed games, and Gordon Hayward has missed games, and Mark Williams, their first-round draft pick, suffered an ankle injury, and Terry O'Gier's hurt. Now, you know, with this, it kind of makes sense why they're on that... Losing streak because you know you can only prepare so much with injuries. I mean, look at the Pelicans. There was one game where Zion, Herb, and Bi did not play. They won that game. I don't know how they won that game, but they did. But they also are very fortunate to have a lot of depth with the Charlotte Hornets. They're not so lucky. They are still kind of in that rebuilding stage, and because they have a new head coach, it makes things harder. So obviously, we want to make sure that LaMelo Ball feels better and he isn't rushed. He won't be rushed. But still, this is a big concern for the Charlotte Hornets, especially because they need their franchise player, because right now, it seems that everyone on that team is getting injured. And that's really just upsetting to hear for fans of the team and fans of basketball. Our next topic focuses on something a little unscripted, so I do apologize for this in advance, Christy, because I know I sent you the outline, but I kind of thought something differently. And it is the focus on Alabama's interior rush lineman, Byron Young. Now you probably heard on the last episode, me quoting many times that line from block talk, What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Beans, rice, Jesus Christ, and Byron? Yeah, I tweeted that at least three or four times on Alabama's win over Ole Miss. Alabama has been very fortunate to have some dynamic pass rushers, some dynamic defensive linemen, and Byron Young is putting his name into that mix. Last year, they had Federian Mathis, who was drafted in the second round by the Commanders. Now, sadly, Federian Mathis did get hurt, so he hasn't played, but that's okay. He'll be back next year. And then... Before that, you had Isaiah Bugs, or as he was called in high school, Pooh Bear. And it was really funny because there was someone I knew who went to high school with him and he called him Pooh Bear whenever we played. And then you also had Jonathan Allen, DeRon Payne, Ashawn Robinson, just to really name a few Terrence Cody way back then, Courtney Upshaw. Alabama has been blessed with some dynamic defensive linemen, and Byron Young is finding a way to put his name into that mix. But what's important is that he has become dynamic in that defensive line as someone who, you know, is trying to fight off having, you know, players like Justin O'Bugby who are hurt and helping Will Anderson and Dallas Lee kind of grow and continue to be a leader on that team. Now, with Byron Young, he is having a really good chance at getting drafted at the nfl draft in this upcoming spring now i don't know where he's gonna fall i mean he could be a maybe third or fourth round pick i'm not a draft analyst maybe i can be one day if i can be i would love to work with Eisen. i mean that's my hero but i feel like with this there's a lot that you have to see about byron Young. now he's come along over the past few games which is terrific but that could also be something that goes against him Because in the NFL, you're looking for consistency. Now, is he going to be drafted in the first round? Not really. I mean, you've got the defensive lineman from Georgia. You've also got Brian Brisey from Clemson. Oh, Jalen Carter, that's his name. And I feel like, you know, with that, it's going to be a little hard to kind of just deal with those two. But I also feel like with this team, it is possible that a lot of players from the Alabama defense do get drafted, but Byron Young has a good shot. I could see him maybe, like I said, second, third, fourth round, or he comes back. He might have that extra year of eligibility. We don't know. But I think with Byron Young, he's grown into a consistent player over the past little while. And very soon, you know, who knows? He might have that opportunity. He might come back. We don't know. But having his consistency over the past few games when the defense has needed to step up is really important. And I am a big fan of having Byron Young step up on this team. Now, moving on to our next topic, I think it's important for us to kind of focus on Steve Wilkes and if he's the right fit for the Panthers coach. So obviously we've talked about Steve Wilkes a lot recently and if he's gonna be a fit in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers. He did coach for the Cardinals a few years ago. He was fired. And now he's the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers. Based on what ESPN is saying and how they've been doing so far, it looks like the players are a fan of Steve Wilkes, which is, you know, good. And, you know, we're happy to see that. But I also feel like with this, it's something that we really don't, you know, have an idea of what could be going on. I mean, if this is the case, then that's fantastic. I mean... I just don't know. I feel like Steve Wilkes still isn't really the guy. I mean, I don't know. Just something seems off on this right now, too. And I know that with this, you know, many people are going to say, well, what about him? You know, he's brought winning back to the team. Yeah, but think about all the times where an interim head coach wins and then they get the hiring there and then it just does not work. What if that's the case here, too? I mean, that's, I think, what many people need to kind of look into, especially with, you know, interim head coach. Speaking of interim head coaches, obviously we all heard the news about Jeff Saturday getting his first win. That's terrific. You know, that's something that we think is great to hear. I've been a big fan of Jeff Saturday. I mean, I love players who, you know, are well-known, well-respected. Also, one of my friends was saying how you know he is just really funny. I mean, there's literally a clip on YouTube of Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning yelling at each other about calling the plays, and it's really funny. Like, they're just barking at each other because they're two perfectionists, and I mean, they're two well-known players right now, so I definitely think that it's really cool to see. But a little bit more on this right now with Steve Wilkes. I mean, a lot of Panthers players are buying into him. They're saying that he's the right man for the job. I mean, it's too early for me to see. I feel like, you know, we just kind of have to play by ear. And I know that that's what we say a lot. We always say play by ear. We'll see what happens. But I feel like that's kind of just, you know, up in the air right now for Steve Wilkes and his status. Now, here's the thing about being the coach for the Carolina Panthers and what it looks like with this job. It's not the the most exciting job it's not the best job i mean charlotte is a fantastic place but like i said you know it's one of those cities where it struggles you know we don't really know what kind of team is needed in the city so i feel like with this job i mean it comes down to who wants to be there right now steve wilkes is trying really hard to get that interim head coaching tag removed i mean he is having someone else call the defensive play so he can be in charge of all the coaching as a whole. And, I mean, that shows growth. And right now, this team just looks a lot different. So I feel like with this, I mean, there should be some excitement there for the Carolina Panthers and the city of Charlotte. But right now, you know, there's also just some questions and concerns moving forward. I mean, P.J. Walker's hurt. And Baker Mayfield's going to start on Sunday, we don't really know what version of Baker Mayfield we're going to get because, you know, he can struggle. He's very up and down. And remember, this is a very brand-new team. You know, there's no Christian McCaffrey. There's no Robbie Anderson. You still have DJ Moore. In, but DJ Moore isn't getting the recognition that he is from the past. I mean, he's gone to Lavisca chanal or the run game. They're trying to become more physical up front. So they're going back to what they used to do in the early 2000s and then 2010s with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, and they're trying to run the ball more. Now, I'm a big fan of running the ball, setting up play action, but when you have one of the best young receivers in the NFL, it is important to give him some targets because wide receivers do get frustrated. I mean, just look at Odell, look at, I don't want to say Devontae Adams, But you have to look at Odell, look at, you know, Hakeem Nix in the past, or you have to look at, you know, some other players too, like Stefan Diggs. They want the target. So very soon, that could kind of fall into this whole idea with the Carolina Panthers. Now, looking at this ESPN article, they've graded them on a few different topics. So... But tough decisions, they made it an A there because with Wilkes, he fired defensive coordinator Phil Snow, and then he also fired Ed Foley. Then he brought in some other coaches to help him out, and obviously, you know, trading for Robbie Anderson away. So that was tough. I mean, you know, Robbie Anderson's going off, and Steve Wilkes is, you know, just saying, all right, you're out of here stability at quarterback that's not really on him but i mean they've done well with pj walker and baker mayfield has still been you know excited to be there but baker mayfield also is pretty mum on what's going to happen in the future so we'll kind of have to keep an eye out there physicality right now with physicality that's very important because this is an entirely new offensive line you know you have so many new players and so many new pieces so right now, they've got them in the right direction. However, it comes down to what the owner thinks. He could say, yeah, Steve Wilkes would be a great decision. Let's go with him. Or he could say, you know, he started a good foundation, but I want to go with a younger head coach. Steve Wilkes wants another chance. And that's the thing about coaches, that we all know that they want another chance. But right now, we don't know who is on the potential you know, coaches or who's interviewing we also have potential coaches who are going to get fired. We don't know if Joffrey McDaniels is going to get fired. We don't know if Dennis Allen's going to get fired. So really, it's all up in the air. But right now, we don't know who's on the potential interviewing or interviewees for coaches and coaching overhauls because it's still very early in the year. We won't really find that out until about maybe December, maybe the first week of January. And it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for Christy's Corner, where she's going to dive into some of our f- well-known topics, such as Paul Feinbaum being Paul Feinbaum and Lane Kiffin being the best friend of Nick Saban. As always, the floor is yours, Christy.
1: Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Christie's Corner. We've got lots of coach positions to talk about this week, specifically a coach that's worth $83 million. Well, worth is a strong word. I'm talking about Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, that's how much his contract is worth. $83 million is what Texas A&M would have to pay out if they were to fire Jimbo today. Is he really worth that much? My opinion, no. I would say most of the country's opinion, no. They don't have anything to show for this season. Um, there's an article from Saturday down south, and they said at this point Texas A&M has a decision. They can either choose to save face or choose to save the program. Now, every day that they keep Jimbo, they're choosing to save face, and I guess because of that big price tag on his head. But at some point, You have to put value back in the players especially players who make up the number one recruiting class and they are the first number one recruiting class with a losing record so again that just puts another pin in that point that they are just trying to save face right now texas a&m started as the third most talented team this season and they're going to end as the worst team in the sec that's not good any other team sec or non-sec team would have fired their head coach so besides that contract what are they holding out for i'm not sure jimbo has fired a bunch of coaches under him and they say if he wants to save himself, he's going to have to hire a new OC, a new offensive coordinator. But even that is not going to save the program at this point because besides just a head coaching or lack of head coaching problem, they have an atmosphere problem. So I wrote down three quotes from three of the past press conferences Jimbo had And they all have a theme to them. So one quote from Jimbo says, that's what happens when you're young and inexperienced. So sounds like he's putting blame on the players. Another quote says, it's just self-inflicted wounds. So another quote that's blaming the players, you know, that they're shooting themselves in the foot during games. And the last quote I wrote down says, the plays are there, we just have to execute and do better. So again, blaming the players. At what point does it come back to leadership or coaching or a sense of community and building that trust in each other? Because that trust is not there at Texas A&M. Now, we've seen already lots of players being benched and got handed down all kinds of punishments I guess you could say for things that are happening in the locker rooms on the field off the field it's a mess and the latest one is with the wide receiver uh, Moose Muhammad who had to sit out the game against Auburn and he's their star wide receiver and he just came out with a tweet that said the reason that he was benched was because he was wearing arm sleeves Um, if I turn on any college game I can probably name and count all the players who are wearing arm sleeves. I haven't read the rules, the official rules, and I haven't looked at Texas A&M specifically, but I'm not sure why that was a punishable offense. But players are not happy there, and they're not going to stay there if they're not happy, and they're especially not going to stay there if they're not winning. These players, again, were the number one recruiting class. They can leave this school right now and finish the season somewhere else, and probably, preferably, at another SEC school. So Texas A&M, you need to do yourself a favor. You need to stop saving face, and you need to save your program. On to some more coaching issues. We have the Panthers. Now, the Panthers, and this is NFL, the Panthers have fired Matt Rule. Steve Wilkes, who was his assistant, is their interim head coach right now. Now, he could be a candidate for their permanent head coach. The only thing I would say that holds them back from picking Steve Wilkes is he's primarily been a defensive coach. Not that that's a bad thing. I just think he's going to lack the experience a head coach would need to help the offense. We've got some other people that are might be on the Panthers list. Um, we have Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton is the offensive coordinator for the Texans currently. Now, the thing I liked about him when looking at a new head coach for the Panthers is that he is a Charlotte native, so he does have ties to come back to Charlotte. And I think another strong thing about him is that when he was with the Chargers, he was kind of known for making and coaching Justin Herbert to the quarterback that he is today. And, you know, the Panthers have a decent defense, I would say, this year. I mean, they've held their own with some pretty big games. So if they can get somebody in there that's going to kind of make that generational quarterback again for the Panthers, I think that has a lot to say. Another pick that I think could be interesting is D'Amico Ryans. And I know before we've said, oh, we would take him at Alabama as the offensive coordinator. I don't know that he's interested in going back down to college, especially he's pretty wanted as a head coach. Last season, or I guess preseason This year, he did interview at a lot of places for the head coaching position, but he decided to stay where he is. Um, He's also another, more of a defense coach, though. right now he's the defensive coordinator, but I do think he could be a good pick, and he's pretty wanted, so if the Panthers want him, I think they need to jump on that now, and I just wanted to point out one more pick that I kind of thought was interesting, but I also kind of get it, so Jared Mayo Yes, that's a previous NFL player for the Patriots, but he's also a coach there now. He's their linebacker coach. Now, he's also going to be inexperienced coaching-wise more as like a a bigger head coach. You know, he's kind of more of a specialty coach, but... The thing people like about him, and this came from when he was a player, is his work ethic and his leadership skills. If you take Dante Hightower, who came from Alabama, uh, Jared Mayo kind of turned Dante Hightower into the linebacker that he is today. And Jared Mayo's going to have on his resume assistant under Bill Belichick. That's pretty huge. So I think any of those picks would be pretty powerful. And I th- I think Pep Hamilton was a really interesting one. I think that's kind of my favorite for the Panthers right now. Another coaching debacle is Auburn. And I know we've talked about some crazy names people have thrown out there. We've seen Lane Kiffin. We've even seen Nick Saban memes wearing Auburn shirts, which never going to happen in this lifetime. Um... But a new one has come to light. We have learned that Dabo Sweeney from Clemson, of course he has people. His people are talking to Auburn's people. There's nothing that's like come out official. Dabo hasn't said anything. It's just this news that Dabo's reps have been talking to Auburn for about a week now. Now, Dabo, since he's been at Clemson, has tripled their championship count. He's got a lot to look forward to at Clemson. He's got the potential quarterback in Cade Klubnik coming up. I just don't think Dabo's going to leave, especially if he has Cade coming. Um, I know I've said on previous episodes, Dabo is kind of that generational quarterback coach like he does really well with those kind of players like we saw in trevor lawrence so if he knows somebody like that is coming again i don't think he's going to go anywhere but we've definitely got lots of moving and firing and hiring going on and that makes for an interesting time in both college and the nfl season so we've got some games coming up this weekend we'll start with our college games We have Kentucky versus Georgia. I'm going to pick Georgia there. As much as I'd like most of these teams I'm going to talk about to be beaten by the underdog, I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, I want Alabama to move up. But those are high hopes. Anyway, we've got Ohio State versus Maryland. I'm going to watch that game Just because Baby Tua. Baby Tua is the quarterback for Maryland. Again, would love to see an upset. Don't think it's going to happen. Ohio State is going to win that game. We've got Michigan versus Illinois. I'm going to pull for Michigan there. TCU versus Baylor. Now, that can be an interesting game because TCU will be on the road. And Baylor can surprise people. And TCU Baylor's kind of a rivalry. So. I'm going to pick TCU, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. We've got Alabama versus Austin P. I'm going to pick Alabama there. Hopefully, there's no surprises. And Tennessee versus South Carolina. Now, if you asked me about this game at the beginning of the season, I may have picked South Carolina, but I'm going with Tennessee. Some NFL games. Um, not too exciting for me this week, at least. We've got the Rams versus Saints. Again, sorry, Jacob. I'm going to go with the Rams. We've got Panthers versus Ravens. Here I'm going with the Ravens. And we've got Falcons versus Bears. I'm going to go with the South here and pick Falcons. <laughs> You're welcome, Jacob. Um, but nothing like really stands out as super exciting or super impactful this weekend, at least for the NFL. So I will see you guys on Tuesday where we recap some of these games. Bye!
0: As always, thank you so much for that wonderful insight. And I'm excited for some games. Also, I still think it's pretty funny that Jimbo is the first coach to ever sign the number one ranked class. And then go three and six. So Jimbo, your seat's on fire. And pretty sure, who knows, it could be gone. But moving on, we've got another exciting player to discuss. Now, if y'all know, I'm a huge Pelicans fan. The Pelicans have done phenomenal this year. They are 3-0 in their division. And a big reason why they've done so well is their dominant bench. But more importantly, there's a player on the New Orleans Pelicans who is playing out of his mind, but he's doing it in honor of his college. You guessed it, the University of Virginia. Now, it's not B.I., not Herb, it's not Zion, it's Trey Murphy the third. Now, Trey Murphy is a first round pick. He's been playing phenomenal. I'm super impressed with him. And he's dedicated these past two games where he has gone off to his university. All about him is that he started at Rice, eventually, he transferred to Virginia, and he was a really good player. And he just keeps getting better and better each time. So, I wanted to give a shout out to Trey Murphy. You know, we've been seeing what you're Doing right now, your hard work is very much paying off. I'm very impressed with you, but more importantly, it feels like everyone else seems to be very impressed with you as well, and that definitely means a lot because so many people are watching not only the NBA but they're watching how players are responding as well. So, I think with this, you know, he's honoring the victims, and this is, you know, still very hard to believe. I mean you lost Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, Deshaun Perry, killed in a shooting on Sunday. And Trey Murphy is stopping his post-game news conference to say he was dedicating his past two games. That means a lot. You know, he loves Virginia. He was only there for a few years, but it still means a lot to see that he is focusing on that portion of the team. And I think that's really important to note. So I wanted to give a shout-out to Trey Murphy there. Now, let us pick some games. So obviously, we're going to go to our SEC teams first and foremost. Like I said, it's the end of the season, so not many exciting games are going to be happening for Austin, P, Alabama. Picking Alabama, it's our last Cupcake game before Auburn. Mississippi State, ETSU. Getting with Mississippi State, Texas A&M, UMass, Texas A&M, but... I mean, Jimbo should get fired. He hasn't done well. Florida, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt came off a surprising win, so I wouldn't be surprised if they put some points up. But I think you guessed it. I'm picking Florida. Hopefully I'm not cursed. If I do, I'm sorry, Giggs fans, but that's what I get. We've got Georgia, Kentucky. I'm going with Georgia here. Kentucky just can't keep up. Auburn, Western, Kentucky. I'm going to Auburn here, but Western Kentucky. You know they could be a sleeper team. They're seven and four, so really who knows? Tennessee, South Carolina. We're gonna go with Tennessee here. Ole Miss, Arkansas. Ole Miss is coming off a pretty tough loss against Alabama, so we're gonna give Ole Miss that win here. Missouri, New Mexico State. We are going with Missouri on this one. I just feel like that they are much more prepared for this than in Mexico State. UAB, LSU, as much as I would love to see UAB win this, I got to go with LSU on this one. And now moving on, we're going to go to our NFL teams. Currently right now, the Packers are playing the Titans. I'm going to go with the Titans on this one. I feel like the Titans are more complete team, which I did not think I would say that a few weeks ago. We've got Saints-Rams. I'm going to go with the Saints, shocker. But I feel like with this, the Saints need to win. Rams are not good. They're also without Cooper Cup. So that's where my mindset is. Bears-Falcons. Bears are coming off a very tough loss to the Detroit Lions. Falcons are coming off a tough loss too. Look for the Falcons to get back on set and have some excitement there. I'm going with the Falcons there. Panthers-Ravens. I just think that the Panthers, the well runs out here. And it's really important that we focus on the wins there. But my mindset is on the Ravens there. But that is going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We couldn't have done it without y'all. I'm super excited for all the growth we've done. You can find this on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can follow me on Instagram, at podcast or my personal Instagram, jakestill 14 And as always, this is Smart Spread Variety Sports Network. We will not be having a show next week. I'm currently in Nashville for a family reunion, and it is Thanksgiving. So we will be back in about a week and a half, but I'm excited for everyone to be with us when we are back. If there's ever anything you want us to cover on the show, let us know. We're so excited about that and i'm excited to be a Nashville. so as always thank you so much drop a like drop a follow share this with your friends and as always as always be the best version that you can be create happiness go on adventures be a light in this world the world is still a very scary place and as always you will see you and hear from y'all later take care